0: Fantastic. I think we're online. I hope we're online because that was one of the most frustrating hours I've ever had to endure. But we are here. Hello, wrestling fans, and welcome to the to wrestling's week that was. I am Joel the Man O'Brien, feature columnist and your co-editor of com. Coming to you like I always do from the land down under Sydney, Australia. And uh, we're going to be with you for the next hour, probably hour and a half, considering what we're going to get through, talking all the major news, matches, and angles coming out of the week that was only on Pro Wrestling Powerhouse Radio. We have a ton, and I mean a ton, to cover today, and as usual, I have no idea how we're going to fit it in within an hour, hour and a half time slot, but we're going to try. Uh, WWE just wrapped up its Australian live tour, uh, and of course, all the man was there in attendance. So we will be providing you with the Sydney portion of the uh, tour with a live report uh, later in the show. Uh, WWE has also finalised their SummerSlam lineup and uh, we will be running through that. We'll be discussing the rumour surrounding Alberto Dorio's de abrupt de- departure from uh, WWE and of course As usual, we'll talk Raw, Main Event, NXT, SmackDown, a great, and I mean great, Impact Wrestling from this past uh, uh, Thursday night, and so much more. But before we delve into this this week's hot topics, remember, we are live. Yes, this time on Take 3, we are live. So that means you can interact with the show at any time by calling 760-888-5749 or tweet me directly at WrestlingRBreakWRB, capital W, capital R, capital B, and I will read and discuss your tweets live on the PWP Airways. How was everyone's week? Was it good? Was it as stressful as the last hour that I just had trying to put this putting this show up multiple times? God, I have no idea what. It's the most frustrating thing when you're actually sitting in front of a computer and it just says there is a problem, but it doesn't say what the problem was. So. I imagine we're still online, we're still rolling, so uh, stay with us for the next hour, hour and a half. Um, another busy week on the site of prowrestlingpowerhouse.com. If you haven't been over there, once we're finished with the show, head over there. We've got uh, a new writer joining the team, Nick Curish, uh joined the team midway through the week and published a... Uh, very brief article on Oberto de Rio, so go check that out. Um, also, you know, all your favourites are still there. Oliver Norgrove Norg- Norg- has got a, uh, a really, really great article up, up at the moment on why it's taken him 12 years. to so like, Triple H, so that's up there. Um, uh, Bill, Bill Shannon, Crazy Bill, has also got one up there. asking, are you a true wrestling fan? And what it is to be a true wrestling fan. Um, uh, and Aaron M. Ravidoff. Uh, Our other co-editor for ProWrestlingPowerhouse.com has got a great series going on right now, listing his top 10 SummerSlam matches. So there's multiple reasons, plus my own uh, wrestling's Weekly Rope Breaker uh, banner over there. I've got plenty of articles that I'll probably talk about as the show goes on. Check us out. There's plenty of stuff, and I guarantee you, if you're a fan, you'll find something that you like at ProWrestlingPowerhouse.com. Now, we've got all the plugs out of the way. Let's get into the top news of the week. Of course, the top news of the week is really that SummerSlam has finally taken shape and we have a card ready for this Sunday, or next Sunday, on pay-per-view or on the WWE Network for $9.99. Oh my god, that's the only time I'm going to say that. We'll get into what I'm talking about when we hit our Monday Night Raw review. But uh, I really, really like this card. I'm really, really happy with it. Every match has uh, logic, a storyline behind it. Uh, it really feels like it's almost like a little WrestleMania kind of esque uh, treatment for this pay per view, and it really it it should it's like I think it's technically the second biggest pay per view of the year. I mean you've got Royal Rumble, but really it doesn't get that kind of same treatment that uh, SummerSlam is getting. It really feels a uh, big big leg, and uh, of course the the main event that's headlining it is the you know the absolute uh, design of a big match: Brock Lesnar versus John Cena. Uh, If you haven't seen Last Monday Night's Raw, if you've got to see one thing, watch the Cena-Brock highlight video that they do. Fantastic. But We'll get into that later on. Um, This match just feels very, very big. And when you've got, you know, you've got Brock Lesnar being Brock Lesnar, Paul Heyman being Paul Heyman, and, you know, John Cena being a good John Cena, a very passionate, uh, baby-faced John Cena that's uh, not, not just like shooing everything off like it doesn't matter, then you've really got a really good uh, main event. So, Brock Cena's fantastic. Uh, Brie Bella versus uh, Stephanie McMahon. Talk about overachieving in every way, shape or form. I've enjoyed all their segments uh, leading into this big match come uh, next Sunday. I really, really like it. I mean, like, who would have thought that Brie Bella has really come into her own as a performer? Um, She's, like, obviously, she's, she's, she's known as Stephanie McMahon, and Stephanie McMahon is the crux of why we love this storyline. Um, Brie Bella's still coming to her own. I think she's really kind of stepped up the game. Um, if you haven't, have you if you haven't done it, go over to www.com com and check out the interview, the, the sit down interview that Michael Cole did with Brie Bella. Uh, I think it was not not this week, but last week. Really, really, really good. Very natural in that kind of environment. I was very impressed. Very much like when Paige. Stepped up and did that really good, great interview with her, with um, uh, Michael Cole. Uh, same kind of thing. So very impressive. Uh, by the way, if my voice is very uh, nasally and ho- harsh, it's because I'm starting to get a am starting to get a cold. So bear with me, boys and girls. Bear with me. Okay. So and then we also have uh, Dean Ambrose and Seth Rollins. This is now a lumberjack match. I have plenty of. Uh, uh, vitriol to spew at the fact that this is a lumberjack match, but we'll get into that when we get to our Smackdown report. It's the epitome of a slow burn uh, rivalry these, this, these two have had. I, I've loved it. I've loved it every step of the way. I'm one of the few people that really really like Battleground for the fact that they just they just couldn't even be contained in, in a one-on-one match, they had to beat each other all over the arena. I absolutely loved it, uh, and I'm guaranteeing guarantee you this is going to be a great match, regardless of the distractions outside. Um, moving on to Chris Jericho and, and, and Bray Wyatt, while the the Bellas and McMahon's over, are achieved uh, the uh, Wyatt and Jericho program has underachieved, if you if you uh, if you ask me, it just it doesn't make any sense. Uh, this week on Raw, it's like they've just turned in the stipulation that, uh, that Jericho has earned a one-on-one match with Bray Wyatt it just feels so dis- disjointed like First of all, I don't get why they're why they're wrestling, why they have an issue with each other. It hasn't been made clear to me. Um, they could have easily made this personal. Um, you know, like Jericho's got a son, he's got a he's got a, a, a NFL, uh, sorry, NHL uh, Hall of Fame uh, father. He could have bring bring those elements into it and made it personal. And with Bray trying to maybe uh, I don't know try to convert his son back into this to the Wyatt family kind of idea. You know, very much like what the Sandman and Raven did back in ECW. You know what? You know this, the emotion's missing from this one. And as good as Jericho is, and as much as I enjoyed their match uh, at Battleground, this is one of the matches that i don't really know how it's going to go. Um, and then of course we've got Miz vs Dolph Ziggler for the Intercontinental Championship. Uh, again, Dolph Ziggler did a great sit-down interview with Michael Cole on WWE.com that you should definitely check out, um, talking about his rivalry with Miz, and it really feels like this, this Intercontinental Championship match has something behind it which is a very nice uh, change of pace, considering uh, <laughs> considering uh, what what usually happens with these uh, championship matches. Uh, so go check that one out. Uh, Paige versus AJ. I mean, again, a lot of emotion in that. You know, Paige almost fucking killed <laughs> killed uh, AJ last week on SmackDown. Uh, I'm loving it. I'm really, really loving it. There's, there's a lot of intrigue in this one, just like it is with the rest of this card. And of course... Running out, the, running out the card, we have got Jack Swagger versus uh, Rusev in a flag match. I'm, last Monday night on Raw, I'm starting to think that this is, uh, this may be slowly running its course. I think in, in in the heat of the moment, it'll be great. Energy will be behind, be behind it in LA. I don't think the fans live will get into it. So, But yeah, it's losing a little bit of steam. But I'm sure the blow-off will be coming at SummerSlam. And of course... Next week, uh, Aaron Romadoff will be posting all of the PWP writing team's predictions for um, for, PW, for for the SummerSlam coming up, so be sure to check that one out. I think it's going to be coming out on next Wednesday, so, sorry, this coming Wednesday, so be ready for that. All right, so in other news, of course, in the last 48 hours, the one big news story is that Roberto De Rio has been fired from WWE, uh, by apparently assaulting an employee of WWE. So um, this is obviously from uh, WrestlingObserver.com. Uh, apparently, uh, based on sketchy stories and what uh, what wrestlers have been talking about. Apparently, at catering, somebody asked uh,
1: uh, the, somebody
0: asked uh, a certain person to clean up his plate. This person from social media joked about along the lines of how that was Del Rio's job, so kind of making that ra- racial slur. And uh, Del Rio found out and confronted the guy, and apparently uh, he forced him to apologize. He didn't apologize, and then Del Rio slapped him right in the face. So Del Rio is out, immediately out from WWE. It sounds like that's a bit of a frustrating kind of a situation to be in for Del Rio. I mean, uh, if you read my latest uh, Pro Wrestling Powerhouse article about Del Rio, about what went wrong with Del Rio, I mean, the guy's had many, many, many chances to uh, solidify himself in the main event. Uh, It hasn't happened. He's been wafting at that, you know, that Intercontinental Championship mid-card for a long time now. And, uh, you know, all it takes is one big situation and he's gone. Um, He's a great wrestler. I love his matches. Um, His matches against uh, uh, Dean Ambrose last week on Raw was fantastic. It was a really, really good, solid match. But, um, you know... It takes more than just being a good wrestler to last in WWE and, and that's all they need is to get rid of him. And apparently the belief is that he'll have a 90-day non-compete clause. That means he will, will can't even touch TNA or AAA, uh, the Mexican promotion, uh, for a good 90 days. But I'm sure they'll definitely have interest with him. Um, if, if TNA has any money left over to spend on new talent, you know, even though they spent money on Snitsky and, and Ezekiel Jackson... Which is ridiculous. I hope it's just, it's just a one-off thing. Um, they'd be stupid not to pick him up. I think they can really do something something good with them. Um, so time will tell on that one. So Del Rio out of WWE. Um, Kane, Kane, the Demon Kane competed competed in his 400th Raw match last Monday. Uh, I think that makes him the he's the wrestler that's wrestled the most on Monday Night Raw in the history of the show. So congratulations, I guess, to Kane. Um... That, talk about a journeyman wrestler, he, like, he, he's been at the top, he's been at the, at the absolute bottom, he's been part of some of the worst gimmicks and some of the best gimmicks, I'm sure of of Noel Grove out there uh, will be uh, kicking your screen when they said that he's been in some of the worst gimmicks, but it's true, <laughs> um, but yeah, so congratulations to Kane for reaching the 400th milestone Raw match last Monday Night on Raw. Um, Batista's Guardians of the Galaxy Guardians of the Galaxy came out here in Australia last Thursday it's been out there for a while now
1: um, it raked in
0: 94 million dollars and it's listed as the biggest first weekend uh, m- uh, released movie in the month of August so congratulations to Batista I saw a few shots of it and he looks pretty funny. it looks pretty funny and Batista looks natural coming off like this as a character and cool, good on him uh, congratulations to Batista. Uh, of course, the the G1 tournament in New Japan uh, has wrapped up this week. And if you haven't checked out any of the matches or any of the shows, try and try and illegally try and get one. If you if you don't want to pay the $120 that Ustream is charging for the whole uh, the, the whole tournament, when you think about it, there's almost like well, how many days? Like seven days. I could be wrong about this, but there's So many days of great, great pro wrestling. Yeah, it's been dubbed as the greatest pro wrestling tournament in, in the pro, in, pro, in pro wrestling history. Uh, go check it out. Apparently, the last two shows were some of the most amazing, and greatest pro, pro wrestling cards in the, in the history of the industry as well. So you know, you've got Tanahashi, uh, Okada, Carl uh, Anderson, AJ Styles. Now is now the the uh, in New Japan Heavyweight Championship uh, champion. Obviously, he's part of the Bullet Club. Go check it out, guys. It's it's worth. Price of admission. Um, also, the impact ratings for this week: 1.4 million. They're maintaining this 1.41 uh, 1 million average since they've been in New York City. That's fantastic, considering they were scraping through with almost 900,000 uh, viewers uh, per week. So, good on them for you know getting up to there. Um, it's the same number since since they started New York taping. So that's a little bit of a worry, considering the show was so heavily publicized. And it's probably one of the most heavily publicized shows. In, in recent memory, considering um, you know, they publicised that Dixie Carter was going to be going through a, ch- a table. So, um, yeah, so there you go. Uh, so impact ratings, let's just see after they leave uh, New York if they're able to maintain that touch what they can. All right, so let's just get straight into the nitty-gritty. Let's get into WWE Sydney. They came, uh, WWE came to Sydney l- last Friday night. It was a massive night for, for myself and a mate. Uh, we went out there, and I didn't have that. I was a little bit, a little bit hesitant to see what I was, what I was, what what, what I was going to expect. I mean, the main event was Kane versus Roman Reigns with Ric Flair as the as a guest referee. I personally haven't seen Ric Flair in, live for a good for six years, so I mean that that was definitely a a good moment. But we'll get into the details here.
1: We had a we had a
0: sold-out show. I guarantee. Well, if it wasn't sold-out, it was like near sold-out. Uh, I could only see a few rows in the node split sections that were actually uh, unoccupied, so great turnout, and uh, for, but for the turnout, I mean, the crowd was a bit of a mixture, you had a lot of uh, ECW fans, I, I, I couldn't believe it, they, was, they were doing ECW chants all the way into the building, right, it's just like, very surprising, usually it, 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 they're just, there's a lot of woos, I mean there was, but everyone was kind of chanting for uh, for ECW. And uh, so that means that Robert, Rob Ben Dam was one of the favourites uh, early in the show, but uh, there was tons of Cena, Usa, and Orton merchandise. I mean, I try to get a, a Cesaro t-shirt, that awesome King Swing t-shirt that he has, <laughs> but it's like it's like a take-off of the old 1990s uh, King of the Ring uh, logo, and they've done the King of Swing. It's a cool t-shirt, but apparently can't find it, so Cesaro doesn't even have any merchandise out, out at the moment, so that. That certainly, certainly sucks. So the matches. I mean, we've got, we got a 10-man over-the-top rope battle royale to, to decide who faces The Miz later in the show. So they they mixed it up, because we were, we were apparently going to get The Miz versus the United Truth. But now that he's the champion, they kind of centred the show around uh, The Miz, which I think is a smart thing to do for live hash shows. Miz gets nuclear heat when he comes out, and uh, this show was no exception. Uh, it came down to Luke Harper and RVD, actually. I mean, we all knew that RVD was going to win, but, you know, Luke Harper they had a good little small two-minute match there and RBD won. Yeah, it, was, it was a fine opener. Uh, then we got into Layla and Alicia Fox versus Nikki Bella and Emma in a fans' choice match. Uh, Emma, obviously, coming from Melbourne, Australia. I was uh, surprised at the reaction, the little reaction that she got. I mean, she's a hometown person. But on second thoughts, why should I be surprised? I mean, has she been on television? No she's been on television has she been like an asset to the show no she's a ridiculous gimmick that worked at NXT in a very intimate environment but it 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 didn't work here in in WWE so you know Nikki Bella was actually much more popular than than Emma was at all and uh, we got a tag match that was voted by the fans not a dance off so that even shows you even further how uh, Emma's stardom is falling they had a massive hashtag Emma up on, this, uh, up on the Titan front the whole match. So they really, really wanted to make it viral, but believe me, it did not go so well. Uh, I think uh, Emma, yeah, Emma and Nikki won in a very forgettable Divas tag match. Uh, Sheamus defeated Cesaro for the US Championship, and this was easily the match of the night. When I saw that IVD wasn't going to be in the US title three-way, which was the match advertised, I was so happy to see Seamus and Cesaro just go at it I mean, their payback match was so good. And this match was great. I mean, they, they gave it time. It was a good, like, 10, 15-minute match. Cesaro um, did the swing. He teased a lot of things. Uh, Cesaro is just so freaking good. I'm not biased. It was like, like, It's fact. The guy went out there and just owned the crowd for 15 minutes. I mean, for a guy that's not even... Now it's like slowly being non, non-publicized he was fantastic, and Sheamus was great too. It was great to see Sheamus back on the road and back in the ring because he's been off TV for two weeks. So it was great. Yeah, I mean, then we, had, we had a Bray Wyatt promo, which I liked. What they do in WWE live events now—they do the small little backstage promos to make it feel like it's an actual uh, televised show. So it's good for fans that don't usually go to these events as frequently as, say, I do. So that was a really, really cool little add in there. Um, Rove McManus. Now, Rove McManus, for those who don't know, uh, was a television uh, host. He had his Late night television show, or oh, not late night, but uh, the nighttime television show, uh, talk show. Um, he's a really big wrestling fan, has been for years. Uh, I met him actually at WrestleMania 29 when I was there in New York, and, and he's just a great guy. And he, he was amazing. I mean, he, he did the ring announcement for the uh, for the Usos versus Wyatt's and he was fantastic. Yeah, he could easily take over Justin Roberts. Um, knew, knew what he was talking about, knew, knew what, what to say. He was very really knowledgeable, and the fans loved him. So, Rove McManus, great. He should be a part of all the Australian shows from here on out. Um, of course, we've got the Usos versus the Whites, which, of course, the Usos won for the tag titles. I mean, another great match. I mean, the only thing that played down to this is that I've seen this match over and over again, so I knew the spots, but like, it just, it's still made for a great match. Sydney loved the Usos. We've got a lot of Tongan Islander kind of a population here, uh, stemming off from uh, New Zealand, so they're fantastic. They were like, they, they were just, they, they feel like white meat baby faces and by you know, they're just pure baby faces. We need to see more of these kind of people. In WWE to to combat these great heels that we've got going on in WWE um, and the USO's are great in the tag team division and then we had an intermission and then we had Miz versus uh, RVD for the Intercontinental Championship. The Miz, the Miz, the money Miz is just gold. Uh, he's fantastic. My friend who went with me, um, he was a big Miz fan back in the day. He really hates. He really hated the Miz uh, late, lately because you know he's. Everyone's been hating The Miz. He's so stale and whatnot. And now he's got this Moneymaker promo. And I told him about his whole new gimmick and his whole get-up. And he was like, oh, I'll see what happens. He was loving The Miz. It was just so good. Uh, I mean, everyone just got on Miz. He was usually the most hated person in the building. And what surprised me in this match against RVD is that he literally just beat the hell out of RVD and beat him clean. Mm, there was no heel. No, no, he didn't win by the skin of his teeth. He literally beat RVD clean. So cool. I'm all for uh, heels getting clean wins here and there. And then we got a Kane promo, same kind of deal. And then we got y- Y2J defeating uh, uh, Bray Wyatt. And uh, it was great to be part of that that entrance, that uh, that phone light entrance. I, I, I posted a photo up on my Twitter um, at Wrestling break Check it out. Uh, just fantastic. So good. Uh, it's a great, great atmosphere. my first time seeing Bray Wyatt's entrance live, and it's such an asset to their live events. Uh, no, no Chris Jericho uh, entrance. They must, be running, must have been running uh, low on time, which sucked, because I was really looking forward to the lights going out and the jacket coming out. But as we found out in um, uh, Chris Jericho's podcast this week, apparently his, his jacket is dying. The, the lights are going out, and he's, he's, he's struggling to keep all the sides of his jacket up. So uh, I think that might be why he uh, didn't exactly uh, have his jacket. So that kind of sucked. Um, the Usos came out to even the score against the Wyatts because it was the whole family out there. It was a solid, exactly what you expected, kind of like the Battleground match that they had. I liked that match, so I liked this. And uh, fans didn't like it as much and didn't give it the reaction that you'd expect. And that might be testament to what the storyline's been like on, on television. So that was a bit of a shame. Then we had Roman Reigns defeating Kane in a street fight with uh, Ric Flair as, as the referee. A respectable reaction for Flair, but it was nothing like what it should be for someone like Ric Flair. I was very surprised. Um, Reigns easily got the reaction of the night. So many people came to see Roman Reigns. There was a lot of Roman Reigns fans. Uh, he literally came out right next to us, like literally on um, right to, to the right of me. Just came all the way down, and that was really really cool. I mean, I I I'd, I'd been ringside or, or right next to the entrance when uh, The Shield came down at the at Elimination Chamber uh, at uh, at uh, in 2013, and that was very very cool. Uh, so I was kind of... I don't want to say I was used to it, but yeah, I was kind of used to it. Um, but yeah, it was, it was a great little, little, ma- little moment. My friend just lost his shit, so that was really cool. I mean, Flair, Flair for this match, he bumped for the finish. He bumped, he literally got punched in his face, and he did this really just ridiculous Flair, crazy bump to sell, to sell Kane's punch. It was actually hilarious. Um, the match was just what it is. It, it was fine. Um, again, like, even though the, the reaction was good for Reigns, it wasn't, like, amazing. He did a great job at the end of the show, though, um, thanking the fans for coming, did very much what John Cena usually does, and i tell you what, I love him on the mic, he's very just cool, calm, relaxed, great stuff, really, 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 really great stuff, It's that that, that part of it I liked, you know, about Roman Reigns' get-up, he's just, he's got a very natural, baby face, likeable presence, and he looks like a fucking machine, so... He's got that going from definitely. Um, so, yeah, that was the show. It wasn't the greatest show I've ever seen. Fans were very much like the, the, the ones I talked to. A lot of people came to see either Jericho or or um, Reigns. The rest of them were just... The, it was fine. It was fine. It wasn't the greatest show. Again, I'm very uh, very much spoilt when it comes to the shows because I've been to, I've been to WrestleMania three times in a row. I've been to Elimination Chamber. I've been to Royal Rumble. I've been to TNA events. So, this show to me was fine. And it seemed like that was the case for the rest of the fans. Okay, so that was the, uh, the the live event show for Sydney, but let's get into Raw this week. The Raw three-count reviews. So the way this works, obviously, is I picked the three biggest points that deserve talking about for this week's Raw, and we'll get into it as we do. Okay, so the, the show went a long way, I think, in giving uh, you many reasons why Summer Slam is worth your attention this year, despite the desperate, Plug for the WWE Network. I mean, we'll start off with that straight away. There was a ridiculous amount of selling. Obviously, you know this by now. There was a ridiculous amount of selling for this for this WWE Network, like
1: painfully,
0: painfully, uh, just plugging network. Nine ninety nine, nine ninety nine. I mean, hey, it stuck with me in my head. So I guess the marketing kind of works, But like I heard on a on a podcast, like it's almost like the N- WWE Network went heel. <laughs> you know, like, it just became an obnoxious little child. And uh, it's obvious that WWE is just really pissed that us as fans haven't purchased the, the network. And they keep harping about the fact that it's so cheap. And that is, it is very, very cheap, but it's like, you've got to give us something more. I mean, I wrote about uh, the WWE network on pe- ProWrestlingPowerhouse.com. The article is up there right now, asking the fans, like, is, is the WWE network evolving or is it flatlining? And, like... You got to watch shows like this, and it's obvious that WWE feels like the, it's just it's just struggling so much. So I don't know. I've, I I'm am a bit worried about it to be honest. Um, but uh, well, time will tell. I mean, SummerSlam is one of the biggest shows of the year. I'm sure they'll get a little bit of a spike. The global uh, presence of WWE is becoming uh, known in I think it's August August 12th. So the WWE Network comes goes live in August 12th, which is which will change their fortunes, hopefully, but, you know, they've got to do much more with the content. Uh, Check out my article for further information on this uh, subject.
1: Obviously, the second
0: point I wanted to make is the excellent, excellent, excellent,
1: excellent
0: hype video for SummerSlam with regards to Brock Lesnar and John Cena. Oh, man. I mean, there's just something about John Cena's character when he's in these big match situations. It, it, like if all those fans get pissed off, and like, oh, he just acts like a child. He acts like it. no one care. Like he doesn't care about wh- who he wrestles, or who he win- when he wins, or when he loses. In these big matches, he just turns it on and shows the world why he is one of the greatest WWE champions of all time. And why he is where he is. Like, he's not shit, people. He did some great stuff in this video and talked about talked about like he. You know, for 15 years I've been here I've been to every show Brock Lesnar he comes in like a mercenary you know he's here for money all just great stuff but of course the, the, the show stealing in this, in this video was, was the beast incarnate Brock Lesnar just you know who's Brock Lesnar I'm an ass kicking son of a bitch I don't give a fuck about anyone else I couldn't give two shits if I piss off anyone in my anyone during my day I just love him in fucking pain that 's his character it's just, uh, it's just so good it's it is awesome i couldn 't help but just laugh and smile uh, and this match just feels like it's going to be I, 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 as as in my other article uh, that I talked about in P, um, PWP.com, dot uh, com I talked about the legitimacy that surrounds brock lesnar he He, he comes into these programs and he, he legit, you legitimately think so that John Cena is going to be in a world of hurt come come SummerSlam. I'm worried that John Cena is going to be hurt at SummerSlam. And sure, it has a lot to do with the the um, the Extreme Rules 2012 match that they had. If you haven't seen that match, go watch it. It's one of the most brutal main events I've ever seen in my life. And John Cena, what a tough bastard John Cena is. I I I, I will stand by John Cena for as long as I live for matches like he did with Brock Lesnar. He let Brock Lesnar maim him, legitimately. You want to, For those fans who love blood, you've got to watch that match. But but still, like Brock Lesnar goes into programs and you literally fear for the person he's wrestling against. And that is something that needs to transcend, not just to, from Brock Lesnar, but to other people, to other people in WWE. They need to have that kind of aura about them. So excellent video. Go check it out. It's, the, it's one of the best things in the week, easily. Um, and the Ambrose Rollins... Uh, storyline that they had going on on Raw, they, fool, they fooled me. They legitimately fooled me because I watched the um, the the beat the clock challenge that uh, Ambrose and Rollins participate in. For those who don't know, uh, Ambrose wrestled uh, Del Rio. The match went almost 15 minutes. So that was the time that, that Ambrose set. And I was just like, why the hell is Ambrose wrestling Del Rio for 15 minutes? He can't even beat a guy like Del Rio uh, uh, shorter than 15 minutes. It was ridiculous. I, could, I didn't get it. And then, um, and then it, it played into the storyline. Because then, of course, Rollins put he Slater up against himself... And then uh, it it was just fantastic. And then Ambrose came out, he did this whole distraction thing, ripping up the contract, just continuously playing the theme that he's tormenting uh, Seth Rollins. And it just played in so well, he didn't even set a time because Heath Slater picked up the upset, rolled him up while he was distracted with Ambrose. Fantastic. I mean, I'm just loving Dean Ambrose. I'm just loving He's easily becoming my favorite wrestler in WWE right now. He's just, he's just a cr- an incredible wrestler, and I'll, sh- I'll prove, it, prove to you why he's one of the greatest wrestlers come uh SmackDown re- review, which is coming up. Um, so yeah, so what's, what's catching? The the Rock Cena hype video. Watch it now. Go watch it now. Stop this, stop the, this recording and watch it now. Uh, the uh, main event, uh, Bella, uh, Brie Bella, Stephanie McMahon's, uh, sequence uh, that finished up the show, that was really, 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 really good as well. Um, they've had a string of great segments that have made this, uh, rivalry great, and, uh, the whole thing was definitely, man, pedigreeing both the Bellas and then making out with Triple H. And I like how Triple H is completely just, he's just stepping down and he's literally just the heel husband in this role. He's not the COA, he's, he's just a husband. And he's, you know, I really respect Triple H for that. Because other big name super, superstars like a Hulk Hogan would make it all about themselves. He is literally just stepping back and letting his wife and Brie Bella take the stage. And I respect him for that and uh, Roman Reigns versus Kane uh, the last man standing match I enjoyed this match um, it's worth checking out if you've got time it opened the show and uh, um, uh, Reigns went over big because he, uh, he literally just he hit Kane with his spear and won the match spear that way so that's good great stuff very quickly the main event quickie it, we just run through main event these days because there's not really much to speak of um, Heath Slater and Titus O'Neil beat Stardust and Goldust yes Heath Slater and Titus O'Neil beats Goldust and Stardust. Why? I don't know. Uh, it's ridiculous. I, I have no idea why. But anyway, that's just a ridiculous loss for, I, I, I thought, one of the most prominent teams in WWE right now. But anyway. Uh, Davis champion AJ Lee beat Summer Rae in a non-title match. So again, like AJ, after her vicious uh, stage four uh, on SmackDown, she's just back, wrestling like normal. Um, apparently she's shoulder injury so that was good and uh, Jack Swagger beat Alberto Del Rio and probably that was Del Rio's last ever WWE match he's gone and I I think they did this whole storyline about how um, um, uh, Del Rio had a flag and Swagger came out and said USA was better than Mexico blah 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 and that that set up uh, this match again if we we went back uh, a year ago who would have ever thought that Jack Swagger would be defeating Cesaro and Del Rio in one-on-one matches and beating them clean. So <laughs> Jack Swagger is on the roll of his life at the moment, and it's not involving a world championship. Who would have thought? Okay, so let's get into the NXT very, very quickly. This was a yet another fun wrestling-heavy edition of NXT this week, with the focus on the tag team tournament to decide uh, the new number one contenders for the NXT Tag Team Championship. Um, so the way this works, if you haven't known, this is the NXT Awards. We do NXT Awards every two weeks. Uh, just, just breaking down the show and saying who was the MVP, who was, who was the worst, who was the up-and-comer of the week. So let's get into it straight away. Uh, NXT's MVP of the week, ladies and gentlemen, is Sami Zayn. Uh, why, oh why, is Sami Zayn still on the uh, NXT roster? I mean, I guess they don't really have enough star power if he goes... Um, you've got Tyler Breeze, you've got AJ Neville. Uh, personally, I think AJ Neville's going to stay in NXT for a long, long time, just because he can't talk worth, worth a lick. He's a great wrestler, guys and girls. He's great, but, you know. Um, he's uh, so, so, why was he great this week? He's literally the quintessential babyface WWE right now that's not on the main roster. Um, he, the music, the he's uh, happy-go-lucky kind of attitude... His baby face on fire, on fire Spot in this match with, with uh, him and Ab and Rose versus uh, Tyson Kidd and uh, Justin Gabriel was just fantastic. I mean, um, his talking ability like uh, in this backstage segment, he's the, he's the only one that could talk. It's so obvious. He's so natural. Just incredible stuff all around when it comes to Sami Zayn. And he's a great wrestler. Um, when he gets up to that main roster, I just, I just hope, I hope, I hope, I hope that he's a charisma comes through and he maintains his position in WWE.
1: Uh, NXT's
0: weekly downside of the week, that goes to not a person, but it goes to the NXT backstage segments that they do. These backstage segments suck. They're devoid of any life. Any atmosphere—it's like they shoot these little backstage things in like a bloody vacuum, this this, this soundproof little area. It's so dead. I mean, like, it's my. I mean, it's the way it's it's mic'd, because it just seems so devoid of any energy. I mean, we had this Tyson Kidd, Dustin Gabriel, Sami Zayn, and Adam Rose segment to set up the main event, and it was just like, what, what, what what's going on? I mean. Tyson Kidd and Justin Gabriel. Like, they can't talk. I mean, like, T- Tyson Kidd's getting better.
1: Sami Zayn was the only one
0: that could talk. And then, and then Adam Rose came in. It was just so awkward. It was so bad. Um, and they need, to, they need to fix this up, because it's not just like this, this week. It's like this every week. Um, so, yeah. That is the weekly downside of the week. Uh, NXT's up-and-comer of the week. Jason, Jordan... Well, it's a team, really. Jason, Jordan, and Ty Dillinger. So Tiny Dillinger and Dave, Jason Jordan uh, wrestled uh, Enzo Amore and Big Cass to start off the show. Uh, of course, Big Cass and Enzo Amore, full of energy. The fans absolutely love them in NXT. Um, you know, they know all the catchphrases. It's almost like uh, New Age Outlaws from uh, from uh, WWF back in like 1998, 1999. Um, but we're talking about uh, Jordan and Dillinger here. This team, like they were generic, g- generic in looks, but they're big guys. Not big guys, but they're just, just nice-sized guys. They're a great, great technical uh, tag team. They, they just complement each other nicely. They're great technical wrestlers. They get in there, they're, hard, they're hard-hitting. It doesn't matter if they look generic. You know, just, like, what, the, look at the Fantastics. Look at uh, the Midnight Express. Look at uh, the Rock and Roll Express. They wore all the same stuff all the time, but they were great wrestlers. Um, I, I, I like I the upside um, of course when they wrestle you know like the commentators are always talking about their athletic background um, you know legitimizing them beyond just the gen, generic stock characters that uh, WWE sometimes put, sometimes puts out and uh, yeah just really really good stuff I really, I really did like uh, their combination even though they lost they're the uh, NXT's up and comer of the week up and comers of the week I should say um, so uh, what's worth watching actually pretty much All the matches, Uh, both tag matches were good, the the Enzo Amore one and the uh, Sami Zayn one to close off the show, and CJ Parker versus Xavier Woods, go out of your way to see this, if you can only watch one thing this week on NXT, I was shocked about how much I enjoyed this match and how well wrestled this match was, Um, really, really amazing stuff, we just watch this show, and you'll, and you'll see Xavier Woods really go uh, above and beyond to try and get uh, to establish that link with the, with the fans. Uh, just some crazy matches, some crazy, sorry, crazy matches, some crazy, crazy moves. Uh, and CJ Parker, for as much as I freaking hate his gimmick, and a lot of people hate his gimmick, he's wrestling fine, he's it, more, more than fine, he's a solid, solid wrestler, um, And in this match, it it really shone through that that was the case. I found myself enjoying this. Um, So go check out uh, CJ Parker versus Xavier Woods. Okay, so let's move on to SmackDown. The good of SmackDown and the bad of SmackDown. What was good, what was bad. Let's get into it. The show-centric storyline involving Rollins and Ambrose made this episode of SmackDown much more important than usual. Most of these SmackDown shows are very... You know, very missable. In they don't really cover any new ground when it comes to um, storylines. But they really did with Rollins and Ambrose. Uh, everything else on the show was just there. So uh, the Rollins and Ambrose stuff was very, very good. Uh, so, yeah, very quickly, the good of SmackDown. What was good? Ambrose is such a natural on the microphone. He's so natural. Uh, he, he, he did a tremendous job hyping up his choice, his SummerSlam choice of match for, uh, for Seth Rollins. He's so. He just comes across. He, he's articulate. He he knows his character so well. Um, and then of course Rollins was great all the way through as well. Like, as just the it's just the uh, spoiled heel character that's. Um, that uh, has the authority backing him up all the way, all the step of the every step of the way. Um, and I mean I just like the storyline of how, like, Ambrose, so that Rollins pretty much fought back and got back at uh, Ambrose this week on SmackDown by setting him up in a match against Randy Orton, and then obviously finishing the match with just just taking him out and beating the shit out of Ambrose and just screaming at him. I'm loving this feud. I just loved it. I, you know, the heel, heel goes over, will he go over at SummerSlam? Who knows? we'll save predictions for the uh, upcoming Pro Wrestling Powerhouse article um, but yeah great stuff here really really great stuff it looks like uh, Mark Henry and the Big Show are going to be a tag team uh, in, in the in the near future um, they easily defeated Roy Baxel here I like it when you put a semi-main event guy and you put him into a tag team division um, you know they put combinations together like you know, Batista and Rey and, uh, Mysterio comes to mind Immediately, you know, like you, you take a world champion in Batista and you put him in the tag team division and you make him tag champs. Uh, you do it with D-Generation X. You did it with uh, a Big Show and, uh, and Chris Jericho. Um, Miz and Chris Jericho for that much as well. Um, just, you know, when you start doing that, it makes the tag team division feel more important. And uh, considering what they're doing on NXT, you know, you really kind of hope that these some of these tag teams come up and uh, freshen up the division because usos need competition. They don't really have very many people at the moment, and I think uh, an Usos versus Henry and Show, in the, maybe at SummerSlam, or maybe I hope so. Uh, having them beat uh, the Usos, oh sorry, having the Usos beat them would even be a greater feather in the cap for the Usos. So yeah, I like the combination of Henry and Show going forward. Okay, so the bad of SmackDown. What wasn't good about SmackDown? Well, let me just start my rant. It's going to be a little bit of a rant time, uh, ladies and gentlemen. Seth Rollins and Dean Ambrose is one of the hot, most the hot, one of the most hot uh, rivalries in WWE right now. It's just it's amazing. It's it's natural. It feels it feels organic. The hate you really feel the hatred between these two people, right? So you know when they hyped up, Ambrose choosing uh, his stipulation for this match at SummerSlam, What what what, what went through your mind? You know, still cage match. Uh, a street fight no holds barred match you know something brutal something you know like a blood food Fucking, like you know, TNA did a Texas death match when we do that you know um, he chose a lumberjack match No, it's not, not not really about the character because like the character tried to put through reasons why uh, you know the fact that oh you know all these people that we took out they're going to be at ringside so they make sure that you're going to stay in but they kept hyping up the fact that you know Seth Rollins can't run. He can't run away this time at SummerSlam. Why do I have it in a frickin' Steel Cage match? Steel so Cage match is like... like if, you, if you're going old school like this rivalry has, the first thing I would think of is a Steel Cage match. You know what I mean? Like, like it's, a, it's the most uh, sensible thing to do. Now, obviously, this may be not their last match together. They may have another... Uh, maybe the blow-off match is going to come at, at Hell in a Cell... Maybe they're going to wrestle in hell in a cell. Um, you never know. Um, but yeah, just hate you This like it's WWE's way of getting everyone on television for, for SummerSlam. Make Ziggler versus Miz a lumberjack match if that's your if, if that's your goal. Because I know that's what WWE does. WWE does. They do these big multiple man matches to get everyone on the show, and do that for fucking for a low card uh, matchup. This is a very important money making match. For the, sh- for the show, as far as I'm concerned. You've got, you've got Brock and Cena, I mean, Roman Reigns R- 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 and, 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 well, Brie Belly and, and Stephen McMahon, and then it's uh, Ambrose and, R- and, uh, and and Rollins in my eyes, then, like, Reigns and Orton. But, you know, like, oh, that's another match that I, Roman uh, Reigns R- R- and, and Randy Orton, of course. Uh, looking forward to that match. <laughs> I-, I knew I was forgetting one match when I was running down the SummerSlam card, and that was probably it. Uh, so, yeah, And then we, and then we go into Big E. Big E Langston wrestled, uh, wrestled Rusev, and I'm looking at this match, no Xavier Woods, no Kofi Kingston. He just wrestled as a baby face, with no, um, no backup, no hint of the storyline that's going on between them, Xavier Woods and Kofi Kingston. What happened? I was really actually intrigued about where that was gonna go but they just didn't even follow up on it, so that's it. I just couldn't believe it. I'm like, Okay, well 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 so much for caring about where that was that was that match was gonna go or that rivalry was gonna go. But yeah. Rusev just beat Biggie in like two minutes with the accolade. That's it. So not looking good for Big E Langston and Kofi Kingston and Xavier Woods. I mean, yeah, that's a big shame. So what's, to, what's worth watching on the show? Everything involving Ambrose and, uh, and uh, Roland, the, the, the promo at the start, and Ambrose versus Orton um, uh, as the main event of the show. Oh, Again, another amazing match that just shows off Ambrose as this never-say-die baby face. Who would have thought that... Dean Ambrose would be such an amazing babyface.
1: I mean, I, I guess
0: everyone just saw him as a natural heel, but he's just been fantastic. His music's great. I, I was humming the music all week. That didn't. I love it. I just I, yeah, great stuff. Um, and then, and then if you got time, watch uh, Dolph Ziggler versus Seth Rollins midway through the show. Um, slow to start, but uh, in the end, uh, Rollins beat the fuck out of out of Dolph Ziggler. You wouldn't even think that this man's wrestling for a championship at uh, SummerSlam. Like, just beat the hell out of Ziggler. Poor Ziggler. <laughs> like, he does this great WWE.com promo that uh, everyone should watch, this interview that he does with Michael Cole, where he's talking about, you know, I need to win, this is time to put up or shut up at SummerSlam. And you're like, oh, wow, I really hope he does win, and then you watch SmackDown, and he gets beaten like a drum by Seth Rollins. I know there's a pecking order, I know that Rollins is higher in the food chain, but, you yeah, come on. Like, if that's the case, put, put Seth Rollins up against someone else, you know? Anyway, that was SmackDown, everybody. Some, some really, really good, and then some questionable bad stuff. So, yeah, worth checking out. Okay, so we move on to TNA Impact. Was this week's episode of TNA Impact TNA good? Or was it TNA awful? TNA awful, get it? TNA awful? Oh, I always try to make that joke. I, I envision people just laughing and laughing out there in radio land. So, <laughs> Okay, so let's get to the show. This is a great, great, great episode of TNA Impact. I loved this episode. I, I, I was a, the, the two hours flew by. Um, it really felt important. Um, I tell you what, these New York tapings are really paying off for TNA. The ratings are showing it. And the crowds have been... Gradually getting better and better. This crowd, this crowd made this show feel like it was like their WrestleMania. It felt like it felt like it made me uh, go back to last year uh, when I was at, when I was in uh, New York for the WrestleMania weekend, and I went to the ROH show at uh, Hammerstein the Hammerstein Ballroom. The atmosphere there. Was just electric, and I just I just immediately went back to that when I was watching the show and watching the crowd in the Manhattan Center. Uh, just very quickly, the, the Manhattan Center and the uh, the Hemisfair Ballroom are two different buildings, by the way, two different buildings. Cause I, I saw someone getting that confused the other day. Um, I I like the idea that they promote on the, on the other side. I like the idea that they promoted tonight was the night that Dixie Carter was finally going to go through a table at the hands of Bully Ray, but. Like, it just it kind of ruined the surprise. Like they did build it up quite nicely, and there was a lot of uh, moments where you didn't really think Dixie was uh, Dixie could have uh, could have got away. And I think he- heavily publicizing it over and over again kind of ruined that a bit. I guess that's the only really downside to it. But the moment itself, holy crap! It felt like that was like a a changing moment for the for the company. It really really did. It just felt like it was like this is a new leaf. They're getting rid of the old Dixie Carter character, the the one that plagued the show and made it terrible and made it boring. Uh, and the crowd just ate it up. It was a it was a goosebumps moment. You don't just, you don't really get that many moments like that in, in wrestling these days. And uh, that was definitely one of them for me. Again, this is an impact. A TNA, TNA impact, you know, like great stuff. And again, like the show was headlined by tons of memorable matches that made it feel like you're watching a pay per view. I mean you yeah, had Bram versus the Abyss in this monstrous ball match was just opened the show, and it was wow, wow, wow! This match was great. Like I, I usually don't like pop for for hardcore matches anymore, but this match was like it was great. And again, the crowd just made it again. Like a, a crowd has the ability of making an average match even that much more. Um. With their, with their reactions to everything. Like, God, they killed each other. Bram, I like Bram. I like this aggressive, rugged style that Bram offers. And uh, they, dang, Abyss did the job, and he, he pretty much put Bram over in the best way possible. Bram beat him with Janice, which is that barbed wire little board thing that uh, Abyss has. Bram hit him with it, pinned him, and then left with, with Janice. Like, it's great. And and, and and Bram, fucking he was a tough son of a bitch. He went to... Thumbtacks and his back was absolutely wrecked. It was, didn't look good, but this this match was an excellent match. Then we had the hardcore the whole hardcore war that set up uh, that set up uh, uh, Bully Ray and uh, uh, Bully Ray putting through Dixie Carter through the table. I mean that was that, that one had its moments as well. That was an excellent excellent match that at first was looking shit because you know Snitsky and Ezekiel Jackson were in this match, but EC3 really turned it up and course, the baby faces went home with the win. Fantastic, and the X there was an X title three way match where Joe won the X title. and It felt like a big deal against uh, Loki and and uh, James Storm's Sonata, not just Sonata anymore. Uh, yeah, just great stuff. So much talent on the show. You got Gunner. I love Gunner's upside. He looks so. He looks awesome. He's got a, and he's good on the mic too. Bram, as I said, just great. We saw a new aggressive style in EC3 through so this whole storyline. He's really benefited from uh, wrestling against Bully Ray, and he's gone from just being a geek and just becoming much more of a, a big deal in TNA. So that good on good on him for that. Bully Ray was fantastic. He really is uh, articulated what we were thinking as fans and just has that amazing ability just to connect with us. So that was great. And James Stone was great too. I mean, there's just so much to look forward to on this show. So maybe a little bit too much reliance on ECW. I mean, now that this is over, you kind of hope that they can find their own image within the ECW mantra without kind of making it completely about ECW. Um, but what's the verdict? TNA good. Yeah, TNA good all the way through. This is one of the best shows I've seen in a while. Um, just, yeah, it made me feel like a fan from 1998. It was great, but it wasn't overbooked. Made all, all made sense. It's all, everything was treated with respect. Watch this show. Watch this show. It's fantastic. Um, so, yeah, uh, what was the matches of the week? Let's get, into, let's get into our matches of the week. Okay, so coming in at third place was uh, Xavier Woods versus CJ Parker. I didn't think I would ever, ever, ever say this, but yes, this match was a great match. Probably one of the best technical matches I've seen all week. I loved it. I thought it was really, really good. Both guys worked hard, and check it out. Second match on the show, uh, Orton versus Ambrose. I mean, it sounds like Ambrose is always in my my top three matches of the week. Uh, He's not the top, because uh, that one goes to... Bram vs Abyss from Impact this week. This monsters ball match. Did I mention it was a monsters ball match? Yeah. Hardcore all the way. Uh, made me reminded me of like the Edge McFoley kind of battle that they had at WrestleMania. Just yeah, crowd was into it. It's Bram just beat the shit out of Abyss. Abyss just tortured himself as usual. And you know what? It's all it's okay to have a few matches like that here and there. Um, but yes, fantastic. Honorable, you know, honorable mentions go to the Hardcore War match at it from Impact, Uh, Zayn and Rose, versing Kidd and Gabriel, and uh, Reigns vs. Kane, you know, from the last man standing match from Raw, so yeah, lots of good wrestling this week, Um, there's just a a few for you guys to check out, if you feel so inclined to do so. Okay, so the podcast of the week, that we're going to be looking at this week, we've been doing a lot of Ross reports, and I'm sure that you're expecting me, to do a Sting uh, recap. I, maybe it was an old interview but like the old JR interviews that he did when he first started I found like it was a lot of JR talking to Sting and not Sting talking to JR. and because I listened to part one of the interview and it was a lot of this like JR just didn't really let um, Sting talk which I thought was a bit of a detriment to the interview. Um, so I did not this week I was like eh, I'm not really I'm not really keen on it. I mean like Sting's not Sting's not revealing anything to anyone right now when it when it comes to his next wrestling match. I mean, if you if you believe what I said uh, like more on my last show, Sting and Take is going to happen this year. I think if it is a year, it's going to happen. It's going to happen this year. But we're going to be talking about Talk is Jericho this week. We're going to look at Chris Jericho's podcast involving Stardust and Goldust. Um, and this is much more of a fun-loving kind of podcast with uh, not very much much critiquing on the current product. It was more just Jericho just talking about his life. Uh, we went into the, like, before we even got into Stardust and Goldust, uh, you know, Curry Roads and Dustin Roads, we uh, found out a day in the life of Chris Jericho. Jesus Christ, this guy. This guy lives and breathes a busy, busy lifestyle. He's doing tons of in-shop, in-shop signings and the travel, like, my God, it just drives you nuts, but, you know, I guess he's used to it from his WWE days. And as I revealed, revealed later in, uh, earlier in the show, The light jacket is apparently dying. So he's trying his best to fix it, but uh, he's hoping he can get it done for SummerSlam. You know, he kind of need that light jacket. Um, And that entrance. I mean, his entrance is so synonymous with his character. You know, he's hoping that he gets it fixed up. Okay, so the interview itself was actually quite interesting. I mean, they broke it it down into talking to Goldust first and then talked about Cody. Obviously, you know, both both sons of the American frame, Dusty Rhodes. And uh, Dustin talked about his debut... uh, Apparently, he was a referee for a good portion of the time, and his first one of his first matches was refereeing a Rock and Roll Express versus Midnight Express match. Wow. What a match. This a referee first time. Apparently, he had no idea what he was doing. He just counted three, so kind of embarrassing, but yeah. Uh, apparently, uh, uh, apparently, Dusty Rhodes didn't even tell Cody uh, Rhodes about uh, his... Uh, but the, the the deal with pro wrestling, like he kept it real for his son until age 15, and then sat him down and explained the uh, <laughs> that wrestling was fake. What a crazy, crazy time to grow up in. When you're a young, when you're a young son of like one of the greatest wrestlers of all time, and you're watching these matches and thinking legitimately that your your father's is getting destroyed every night. Like apparently during the uh, infamous rivalry between Dusty Rhodes and the Four Horsemen, apparently Dusty Rhodes. Kept uh, kept that cast on on his on his leg the whole time during the robbery during the time that he was injured. For, for those who don't know, the, the the four horsemen destroyed Dusty Dusty Rhodes' leg every single week and sent him to the hospital. That's kayfabe for you. Kayfabe is gone, long, long gone these days. Um, again, very interesting document, uh, very interesting interview. Apparently, Vince said to Dusty when he was on his way out, "You can take uh you know Goldust with you to WCW, but when it, but I'll take him back and I'm going to make him a star." And, and to some degree, he really, really did that. Um, then going on to Cody, uh, you know, Cody apparently trained a lot with the uh, ex-WCW uh, uh, Power Plant school guys, so Axel Rotten and all those people, which is very, very interesting. Um, and I, he was very adamant that, of how good uh, uh, Randy Orton was as a coach. I mean, he said that he was an excellent teacher, despite Randy being Randy, quote unquote. He wanted to, you know, he, he really wanted to work on. Um, Getting, taking Ted DiBiase Jr. and Cody Rhodes, and, and setting them up financially, setting them up not just you know as great wrestlers, but as great uh, uh, you know husbands, sons, you know great family people. They're not just thinking about the business. That's very, that's very interesting. You know, you, you, it's the first thing you don't really think about when uh, Randy Orton's name is brought up. You don't really think about him being a uh, a a uh, guy thinking about family, but he really is. You know. And, of course, the final question that was asked is, like, will we ever see Cody Rhodes versus versus, uh, Goldust at uh, WrestleMania? Because, of course, that was a rumoured match going into WrestleMania last year, but apparently Vince shot it down. And Cody brought up a really good point. He goes, now you've got this whole dichotomy with with, uh, uh, Stardust and Goldust. Now, Stardust is almost weirder than the bizarre one, Goldust. So there, there's just this offset. So if there's ever going to be a match between two guys, who wouldn't want to see the weirdest of the weird versus the former weirdest of the weird at uh, WrestleMania? I think that's a good selling point. So let's just wait to see it. I mean, we could good to have a championship involved, but, you know, whatever. So that was the interview this week. Uh, um... On the uh, podcast scene this week, we also had uh, uh, Steve, Austin, uh, Steve Austin, the family show that he does on the podcast one, talking to Ricky Morton of the Rock and Roll Express. So that was really a great uh, transport back in time to talk to Ricky Morton from one of the greatest tag teams of all time. Uh, Ross, uh, and, of course, uh, the Ross Report, talking to Sting in, his, in part two of their two-part uh, interview. So, yeah, if you're interested in checking it out, check it out. Okay, let's just wrap this up, guys. We've got one more segment to go, and it is our weekly visit to the vaults. Uh, so this is a match that I pick up at, at random that it's one of my favorite matches or one of the matches I've watched this week that you should watch too. Uh, and this week, because well, you know, staying in with the theme of SummerSlam, uh, we're going to choose my favorite SummerSlam match of all time. And it is SummerSlam 2002. Triple H versus Shawn Michaels in an unsanctioned battle. Now, this is my greatest SummerSlam uh, match of all time. It rated number three in WWE.com's 25 greatest SummerSlam matches of all time. But uh, this match is just incredible. So the way it works is that we're just going to get into the backstory, and then we'll, we'll talk about the match. So the way, the way this, this, this was set up was that on, in storyline, it was meant to be a Triple H joining the NWO, uh, coming from SmackDown and joining the NWO that was run at the time by Shawn Michaels. Uh, on Raw uh, but unfortunately Nash got injured and it was, was that was his last ever appearance well one of his last ever appearances in WWE uh, and the NWA was disbanded so they did this new storyline where HBK uh, via Eric Bischoff was assigned uh, Triple H- to be Triple H's manager uh, instead of that, they, Triple H teased uh, the reuniting of DX, which was a great, big, big, big moment when it actually happened. It was the first time in, like, four years that we'd seen DX together. And, uh, and of course, Triple H did the dastardly heel turn and pedigreed him. And then uh, they, uh, they did this whole convoluted story about uh, HBK getting taken out in the car park. No one knew who it was, even though Triple H stood up for him. And then, of course, Triple H revealed that he did it Purely to end uh, HBK's career because, in his eyes, HBK was getting old. He was a has been, and he wanted to maintain the image that he had of his uh, of his uh, icon and his mentor, uh, HBK. So he took him out. So very much like if you ever watched the uh, Triple H Ric Flair rivalry that happened about the whole idea of taking the horse behind the barn and pulling the trigger, this is very much on the same lines. So the story going into it was like could. Hbk beat Triple H in his prime, and that was the setup. The match itself—it I mean, it was Hbk's first match back in four years. You could not tell. This is easily the greatest performance, like combat performance in the history of the business. Like Shawn Michaels, like if there's ever a man that's improved our sight from whatever it used to be, like in 1993, or when he was big, when he was the WWE champion. This 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 run that he had when he came back is is it like he found his groove and went with it in this match and my God it was an incredible performance selling wise uh, execution of moves nothing looks dodgy nothing looks slow it was all fast paced amazing stuff and all the way through like I can't sing the praises of Jim Ross enough he was such an asset in this match I mean his calls you know like. Like the minute HBK's music hit, you know, like Joe The J- 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 King logo goes, "Are you ready, Jr.?" And, he, and then Joe J- just goes, "I'm ready." But it's HBK, ready There's always a, a, a consummate per- uh, like perfectionist in like telling the story. And then when and then when uh, Triple H his first backbreaker, the first backbreaker move was such a big, big move because of course the story of the match is that uh, HBK's back was was fucked. He left the company because of back surgery. Severe back surgery was needed to, to maintain his uh, current posture. So the minute they hit that first backbreaker, the air was sucked out of the building. It just completely changed the, the course of the match. And, and then all the way through, Jay, I was like, I want to see those arms and legs move. Just like, they're so worried about the welfare of, of, of HBK. I mean, just fantastic. Um, and like
1: And Earl Hebner
0: as well. Earl Hebner was just... Uh, you know, the referees don't get a lot of praise these days, but Earl Hebner, like, God, he showed so much sympathy for H- HBK as, he, as, he, as, he, as Triple H grinded away on his back. Like, oh, my God. And then, of course, Triple H brought in the sledgehammer, and uh, Earl Hebner said, you know, God damn it, no. It was so much emotion to this match. And, of course, Triple H, like, at the peak of his career, he looked like an Adonis. He was back he was still buffed as hell. Just smooth as silk, taking care of h b k in every single move, like making him look amazing, he bled for the man he took he took chair shots, ladder shots, table shots uh you know elbow drop elbow drop off the ladder through a table um, and then of course, the finish is like one of my great the, my one of my favorite finishes of all time they do about a five minutes demolishing of H V K it leads to the the sweet chim music the fans are just buzzing and all of a sudden Triple H go, picks, grabs the leg spins around tries to hit a pedigree but of course H V K the resilient that resilient never say die baby face rolls him up for a flash pin One, two, three, wins the match crowd goes ballistic and, of course, then all of a sudden, the camera's focusing on HBK, HBK, HBK. And all of a sudden, you just see Triple H out of the corner of the camera, corner of the screen, just go, bam, into the back of Shawn Michaels. And just, the, the just,
1: again, the air,
0: just booze, start crying out. You, have, you can hear people crying from the front row. He goes around. This bloody Triple H goes, I'm the one that's going to do this to you. And then it hits him again over the back. And, of course, Shawn Michaels is... Uh, Taking it out, out, out of the arena in the stretcher. Oh, my God. Like, it's just giving me goosebumps talking about it. Guys, it's up there on Facebook. Oh, sorry, not Facebook. on oh no, on YouTube. Triple H mentioned Shawn Michaels, an unsanctioned battle at uh, SummerSlam. Check it out on YouTube, guys. Easily one of the greatest matches in SummerSlam history. It's one of the greatest matches I've ever seen in my life. So, definitely, definitely go check that one out. Well, that's all we have time for tonight. As always, thank you so much for listening, wherever you may be out there in Radio Wrestling land. Thank you so much for sticking around, by the way, guys. Sorry for all the technical difficulties this week. I'm making sure that we are all ready to go next week. Remember to head over to ProWrestlingPowers.com and uh, check out the amazing lineup of content we have on show, such as my Wrestling's Weekly Rope Break articles. They're great, too, but there's a lot of other great stuff out there. If you like any of my articles you read, be sure to give it a Facebook like or tweet them to your friends as it really helps the website grow. Um, If you want to reach me, follow me at uh, Wrestling Heartbreak on Twitter. That's capital W, capital R, capital B. And tell me what you think about this show and anything else for wrestling on your mind, for that matter of fact. Uh, Remember, any feedback's good feedback. I live and thrive off of it, so I always want to hear what you guys think. Once again, thank you so much for listening and I'll catch you on the next Wrestling's Week That Was. Good night, everybody.